Thursday, April 19th. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Uncle Joe Mager. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Hey, Chris. Happy Thursday. Uh, we've got earnings from eBay and Nokia. We've got a new fragrance to tell you about, but we are going to start with some pharma news. Shares of biopharmaceutical company Human Genome Sciences doubled this morning after GlaxoSmithKline made a $2.6 billion bid to buy the company. Uh, Human Genome Sciences rejected the bid. Charlie, first, why did GlaxoSmithKline make the bid in the first place? Yeah, Chris. So drug companies can grow by two methods. The first is to invest internally in their own drug development. And the second path is to partner or acquire with small biotech companies. Uh, Glaxo already has a relationship with Human Genome Sciences on a number of products. And it's a natural fit to take their products in-house and then strip out a lot of the extra costs. So that's what they're looking at from their angle. And why did Human Genome Sciences reject the bit? I think I mean, it's like turning down a date with the first girl that asked you to prom, hoping that a better <laughs> offer comes along. Yeah, and, and so the stock is trading higher than what Glaxo offered. So the market does think that you know this is a, a good gambit to make. Personally, I think it's gambling. I would have took the money. I, I don't know anything about this company, yeah. but if they. My logic would be, well, if they'd offer an 81% premium, surely they'd offer a 120% premium. Uh, I was going to say, when you look at human genome sciences stock over the last year, it's basically, up until yesterday, it's basically gone yeah. from 30 down to 7. Now it's trading over 14. I mean, what what is the business strategy for this company other than hoping that more drug companies come in and make outrageous buyout offers? Well, so they do have a lupus drug on the market, partnered with Glaxo. It launched last year as the first lupus drug in 50 years. And Is they do, lupus a growth market? Uh, they, they think it could be a billion-dollar product. So, But, they, I mean, they share the economics, and they do have some other drugs in the pipeline, uh, but their balance sheet isn't that great, and they're burning hundreds of millions of dollars a year. I would have taken the money. Yeah. yeah I kind of wonder what the incentive structure is for the executives here, like what the parachutes are like, and wonder maybe what their options are priced at. You could bet they're fat and tasty. Yeah. So, Charlie, back to your earlier point about how the market is looking at human genome sciences. When you look at the stock now trading suddenly over $14 a share, does it interest you or do you are you just keeping your distance from it? No, I think uh, this kind of merger arbitrage situation is always a bad bet because you're buying at 14 hoping someone offers 15, whereas if a offer never materializes, you could very well end up back around 6 to $8. It's not worth the risk. eBay's first quarter profits were up 20%, better than Wall Street was expecting, and shares were up more than 15% this morning. Joe? What's the good news? Pretty great results uh, out of both major businesses. The marketplace business that people had kind of left for dead a few years ago, double-digit growth again, very solid, and PayPal is just on fire. Uh, they're adding about a million new people a month, and people are using PayPal more often. So more users, more transactions, more merchants. Revenue was up 32%. Uh, on the whole, you had organic revenue growth of 19%. Pretty strong results. Do you use PayPal? Either of you guys? I do. I do. I don't really care for it. Why? I find it cumbersome. It's just as easy to enter debit card information. So what about the drumbeat to spin off PayPal? Is that louder as a result of these uh, earnings? Is it 
about the same? Is it quieter? Inch by inch. I think people want to see it go public. And we've talked about this on the show before. I think there is value in the two of them being together now. But as it gets further down the line, it makes sense for PayPal to be independent so it can rope in the Amazons of the world that right now won't partner with PayPal because it's an eBay property. Uh, I have this theory that you could be looking at PayPal being spun off maybe late next year. And the rationale is that, one, it won't need to be part of the PayPal or the eBay family anymore. But two, uh, Square, which is this smaller mobile payment startup, uh, just did a round of VC financing for about $4 billion. I think it's a good chance that you'll see that ride some Facebook coattails and go public maybe early next year, middle mm-hmm. of next year. When that happens, you'll finally have a public benchmark that you can compare PayPal to an evaluation basis. Now, there's Visa and MasterCard, but PayPal's a higher growth property than that and different. So Square goes public. It generates all sorts of buzz. It'll carry a ridiculous valuation. And that is the point where I think eBay could get the most bang for PayPal's buck, either by spinning it off or selling part of it. I want to close out on the stock in just a minute. But, uh, Joe, before we were taping, you were talking about eBay CEO. I mean, I know, I know that PayPal is getting the headline, but you, you think eBay CEO really deserves some credit for how the company's been performing. Yeah, I love it. He came in there and chopped a lot of heads, uh, got <laughs> got rid of a lot of dead wood, and has really refashioned the business and took some risks on the marketplace side, unsettled the model. He's moved them from kind of a garage sale format to buy it. The, you know, the slogan now is buy it new, buy it now. And They've shifted more towards fixed pricing. A lot of stuff is shipped overnight. And it's more of an Amazon model, which it should be. And it still has some of the Q quaintness of the old eBay model, but it's a different model. And they've done a great job of fostering success of PayPal. Shares at a six-year high. What do you think of the valuation right now? I think that it's still really attractive. I mean, it's... Really? Yeah. At the, a six-year high? The top line <laughs> grew 19% in the quarter, and it's selling for about 18% full-year earnings. I mean, that's a pretty sweet proposition, especially when you consider the extra catalyst of PayPal eventually going public. So it's not too richly valued? No, I don't think so. Nokia's first quarter earnings were disappointing, to say the least. Revenue down 29% from a year ago. Shares are now trading below $4. Charlie, the last time Nokia's stock was trading at this level Bill Clinton was president. Yeah. What What is going on with this company? Uh, I wouldn't call it earnings. Uh, so <laughs> they're, They've been in transition uh, since Stephen Elap came on board about a year and a half ago. They partnered with Microsoft a year ago. And they can't sell their old products. And that's, that's the first problem is that their old Symbian smartphones are just plummeting in volume, plummeting in selling price. Nobody wants an archaic product that they're not going to support. And the Windows products, uh, the Lumia phones, are not yet mature enough to pick up the slack. The second and possibly even worse problem was all the feature phones in their core markets, India and China, are just getting their lunch eaten by local competitors that can manufacture them cheaper, turn around new products faster. China was deplorable. I think they were down by about two-thirds in sales. That's just a real shocker. Um, the, the one bright spot for Nokia is that the Lumia phones have been well-received, and they got to hope they get some momentum there because everything else looks horrible. They have been well-received and well-reviewed, although Stephen Elop did yeah. say he, – he mentioned that and then he went on to say, but actual results were mixed. And right. it's like, oh, too, too bad the actual yeah. results were mixed. I mean, yeah. you, you could say they doubled sales quarter over quarter, but going from 1 million units to 2 million doesn't really strike me as impressive. Joe, what do you think when you look at this company? 
Well, we sold it about 64% ago at IV, so I feel lucky to have dodged that bullet. I do like what the CEO, Stephen Emop, has done and the strategy he's taken. Yeah, Nokia needed to make big, bold changes, and I applaud that he's done that. You know, I think it's a ship taking on water. I think realistically you're looking at a pretty big Hail Mary on this thing turning around. But they do have cash and they have time to, you know, throw some balls up in the air. And they do have a good partner in Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft's will, they're paying them a quarter billion dollars every quarter to keep them afloat while this transition takes place. I, I do think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I've been bagging on the stock, but I, I recommended it a couple months ago on Global Gains. I own it personally because I, th- I think they are going to get some momentum with AT&T and with consumers. And when Windows 8 comes out later this year, that's make or break. Uh, I think they've got a shot. We've talked before about research in motion and you know, we're not the only ones asking the question is, you know, is when is this company going to go under? Should we instead be asking if Nokia is going to beat research in motion to the punch? I mean, is, 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 are the finances of this company such that we should be asking that question? Uh, it is a fair question to ask because they are getting killed competitively, but their balance sheet is much stronger. Uh, they have a viable partner to help them out so they're not a lone man on an island. Uh, and they, they do have hope, whereas Rim's going it all by themselves. I think even though they got BlackBerry, which one time was a great brand, uh, they have a harder fight. Do you think that uh, Microsoft is looking at this company as uh, not just a partner, but potentially something that they buy out down the line? I, I do think they could do what uh, Google did with Motorola and take out the smartphone handset part of Nokia's business, buy up all the patents that they want, because Nokia has something like 30-plus thousand patents. Uh, and in these days in the mobile space, those patents are going for big bucks. Uh, so I do think my, uh, Microsoft could be interested in a tablet handset part of Nokia and have no interest in the feature phones or the Siemens Nokia networks. Just to finish out on Nokia, do you think Windows 8, do you think that is the next thing to watch in terms of this, the next big thing to watch with this company? It, it is. That's the make or break point for them. And finally, a group of artists in Australia has created a perfume that smells like apple, not the fruit. It is the scent of opening a newly purchased Apple MacBook Pro. It is part of an art exhibit opening tomorrow in Melbourne. And guys, I'm sorry to say... That it's just for the exhibit. The scent is not available for purchase. So I don't know if you were thinking about maybe picking some up for your respective wives. Uh, I have to read this quote uh, from the website describing the scent. The scent encompasses the smell of the plastic wrap covering the box, printed ink on the cardboard, the smell of paper and plastic components within the box, and, of course, the aluminum laptop, which has come straight from the factory where it was assembled in China. I don't know. That's just. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big. Sweet. I'm not no. a big fragrance guy in general, but that uh, that's not that's not doing it for me. No, that's, me that, either. That's no. not that's not replacing the new car smell. To me, that's no. still that's still a, a top line fragrance. Charlie, I'll just go to you first. If no. you if you could bottle a fragrance, what would you bottle and what would you use it for? My favorite smell in the world would be when I walk into my backyard patio when I've got a pork shoulder on the smoker with some wood <laughs> chips in there. If I could bottle that up and take it around with me, I'd be very happy. Nice. Joe? I was also going to say cooked pork. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have tried I thought to. you'd go with bacon, so I took no, another well, spin on it. That's where I'm going. I, I once tried to jar the scent of bacon Really? Yeah, you know, like taking a jar and capping it right over the bacon as it was cooking, and it didn't really work all that well. But it was worth a shot. 
Almost hard to believe you didn't pursue that career in science. Hard to believe. I would go with Cinnabon. Anytime I'm in an airport, oh, yeah. walk by a Cinnabon. You and smell I, it a mile away. And I don't know why that thing, I don't know why they haven't partnered up with, um, you know, like a P&G or, you know, one of those companies. Because I think for an air freshener for a room, if I could just make every room in my house smell like Cinnabon, <laughs> be a happy man. Joe Mager, Charlie Travers, guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday. I just rub bacon on my neck. <laughs> it's just as effective. Cooked bacon, though, right? Raw. Raw. Uh.